and Welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Michael Ryback. I am a professor of pharmacy and adjunct professor of medicine at the Eugene Applebaum College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences and the School of Medicine, Division of Infectious Diseases at Wayne State University. I also serve as a scientific editor for infectious diseases for pharmacotherapy. Today we are talking with Dr. Carries LaPlante and Xing Liao. Dr. LaPlante is a professor of pharmacy at the University of Rhode Island College of Pharmacy and a member of Pharmacotherapy's editorial board. Dr. Liao was an infectious disease pharmacotherapy fellow within the University of Rhode Island Antimicrobial Stewardship Program from 2020 to 2022, and is currently a clinical pharmacy specialist at the Chinese Hospital in San Francisco, California. Together with co-authors Haley Apanil, Marty Vicent, and Amy Vias, they contributed an important manuscript to pharmacotherapy titled Path of Least Recurrence, a systematic review and meta-analysis of fidoxamycin versus vancomycin for C. diff infection. We are looking forward to discussing their findings with them today. Drs. LaPlante and Liao, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And thank you to ACCP for putting this together. I'm excited to be here and talk through this analysis and the findings. It's received quite a bit of attention. Great. Uh, we have learned over the years that Clostridiotes difficile, or C. diff, associated diarrhea, is a devastating consequence of antibiotic therapy in debilitated patients. What was your primary motivation for undertaking this important study? Shing, do you mind if I tee this up for us? Oh, of course. Please do. Good. It's an interesting story. So, you know, I think as you both know, I was honored to be an author on the 2021 American College of Gastroenterology guidance for the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of C. diff infections. So we were working on many different sections of the guidelines. I was, you know, with my co-authors working on the treatment sections, and this was through the summer of 2020 during COVID, being at home, meeting for hours, long summer evenings after a lot of my co-authors were finishing their day as gastroenterologists and in surgery. And, and I have to say, it was a fantastic experience. These are some of the greatest physicians I collaborated with. So we're developing the guidelines. The first step in designing a guideline is to come up with specific questions that need to be answered. And that this is the way to put guidelines together. As in every guideline, we need to be evidence-based. We need to grade the evidence, look at the results. So we use the PICO format. And I think most of the audience knows, but you know, a reminder here, PICO is kind of a mnemonic uh, used to clarify a clinical question. It serves as a framework. We use it often. And it really kind of pushes you to think specifically about different aspects of a clinical question. So we design our PICO questions. First P around the population, the problem, and the patient. What was the problem to be addressed? The intervention I, the comparison, and the outcome. And we did this a priori, this is key, in advance of the research and data analysis. So we asked the questions first. So American College of Gastroenterology question was clear. And we asked, and this is different than IDSA, so that this is why I'm kind of being detailed in the inspiration here. We asked an ACG 
in initial C. diff infection, P, or patient population, what was the tr- optimal treatment? I, for the initial episode of non-severe C. diff, the outcome was evaluating fidaxomycin and vancomycin and metronidazole, and that was it. We researched, we synthesized the literature, we answered this question. So we made our recommendations that basically oral vancomycin and fidaxomycin were equivalent. One was not better than the others. When we finished our analysis, it was around October of 2020, right around the time online ID week sessions came up. And this is when we were learning that IDSA was proposing an update to their 2017 guidance. And in this update, they were going to recommend fidaxomycin be preferred. And right back to those PICO questions, it's all in how you ask the questions. So IDSA, in their updated guidance, asked the same question we did. However, they added and prevent recurrence. So by saying in their PICO question, what is better and prevents recurrence, this was a key statement, because normally fidaxomycin, vancomycin, they're equivalent in all the randomized clinical trials. But when you add and prevent recurrence, you are assessing, you're asking a different question and you get different results. So hence, like in summary, with the ACG guidance, we had that both fidaxomycin and vancomycin were the same. IDSA had fidaxomycin as preferred, even though they had conditional moderate data. And um, they looped in more observational studies and studies with different endpoints, which included the pulse dose of fidaxomycin. Very long answer here. When Shing and Ami and our authors got together, we wanted to basically redo what IDSA asked, asking that different question, adding on recurrence, and these were our findings. Great, Carrie. Thanks for that detailed response and the summary of the CDI guidelines that you were part of developing. Shing, I'm sure that the majority of our audience is pretty familiar with vancomycin being used for the treatment of C. diff infections. Can you briefly remind our audience about fidaxomycin and its unique properties? Of course. Fidaxomycin is a macrolide antibiotic that was FDA approved in 2011 for treatment of CDI. It is bactericidal via RNA polymerase inhibition, leading to the cessation of protein synthesis in susceptible gram-positive anaerobes and aerobes, and is minimally absorbed from the gut, much like oral vancomycin which makes it very well tolerated, with its most common side effect being nausea. For C. difficile, approved doses of fidaxomycin lead to fecal concentrations that exceed 90% of the MIC of C. diff, along with a 6-10 to hour post-antibiotic effect. Fidaxomycin is recommended at a dose of 200 mg orally, twice daily for 10 days, with an alternative extended pulse regimen that was studied in one randomized controlled trial by Guerriot and colleagues of 200 milligrams twice daily for five days, followed by 200 milligrams every other day for 20 days, which is equal to the total fidaxomycin dose in a standard 10-day regimen. This extended pulsed fidaxomycin regimen is associated with the lowest recurrence rates seen for C. diff infection, to my knowledge, of 5% and may be preferred in patients with recurrent CDI or at high risk of recurrence. While both vancomycin and fidaxomycin are considered standard of care for C. diff treatment, fidaxomycin has a preference given it is associated with a significantly lower risk of recurrence compared to vancomycin, 
as just articulated by Carrie. Thank you, Shane. We'll turn our next question over to um, Carrie. Carrie, as your team has pointed out in this paper, clinical trials comparing fidoxamycin have demonstrated equal efficacy between vancomycin and fidoxamycin, although fidoxamycin treatment is associated with lower recurrence rates compared to vancomycin. So why then isn't fidoxamycin more commonly used as first-line therapy? Yeah, like the key question. So I think we're getting there, but it's really important to know that you know, none of these studies were that new. So we had this data the whole time in individual publications. And it really wasn't until IDSA updated their PICO questions and their subsequent findings where they found fidaxomycin to be preferred because it prevents recurrence. You know, this got a lot of attention and a lot of discussion. And as guidelines do, they move the needle and allow for uh, different therapeutic options. So I think this really highlights the importance and influence of our guidelines. But really to answer your very direct question, I think the elephant in the room on why this wasn't used first line from the beginning, even though the data was always there, just not summarized perhaps as cleanly, is cost, right? We know that you have an antibiotic that's equivalent in efficacy or effectiveness in a randomized clinical trial, just as Shing mentioned and you did, Mike, Banco and Fidaxomycin across all randomized clinical trials, there was no difference. So there's really no justification in prioritizing the use of an agent that's going to cost the healthcare system thousands of dollars more. But when you look at healthcare from a more holistic approach and the whole health of the patient, as we should, the cost of recurrence, the cost of readmission, quality of life, uh, using both real life and observational studies, which by the way, I think Optima, the company that launched Fidaxomycin, knew the whole time and probably why they priced it the way they did they probably believe that the cost was justified. But as, as we all know, when the pharmacy directors are sitting at their C-suite meeting with all the other heads of services, budget lines are reviewed, healthcare system looks at the budget in a silo. We know that in any healthcare system, the largest bu- budget line next to human resources and personnel paying for your people is the pharmacy budget. So, you know, I, we've all been there and, and cost drives these conversations. So, In summary, if you can't clearly justify superiority of an antibiotic in a disease state with a new agent, it's just simply not going to be prioritized for use. It's going to be restricted ID. Where we have wiggle room is where there's safety concerns or resistance, which is, you know, where where our ID physicians and pharmacists will come in and sometimes champion these new antibiotics because of a safety issue. But, you know, as a taxpayer into the system, it works. Not every patient needs a first-line agent. Insurance budget shouldn't fit the bill for new antimicrobial research and development. I don't want to be political, but, you know, we do need more federal support. Current Pasture Act is out, which is pioneering antimicrobial subscriptions to end up surging resistance. And I'll I'll take that opportunity to plug the Pasture Act and and really have people support, reach out to, you know, their um, members of Congress and representatives because we really need to do something. But that's a different podcast. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm distracting us here. So I'll, I'll pause. Thanks, Carrie. Seems like a recurring theme for new agents and recurring problems. Shing, there have been previous meta-analysis style studies that have compared fidoxomycin to vancomycin. How does this study differ from previous investigations? 
Based on previous discussions with Carrie and the rest of our team, for this meta-analysis, we decided to hone in on the most clinically relevant difference between the two agents, recurrence, which was not a primary focus of other standard of care C. diff meta-analyses. And since randomized controlled trial data may not reflect real-world populations, nor actual drug utilization and outcomes, we decided to include retrospective data in addition to RCTs. We also looked at various subgroups that would be of interest to clinicians. For example, we decided to expand the recurrence follow-up period beyond what randomized controlled trials had previously defined as one month post-treatment. We did this because IDSA defines CDI recurrence as a positive laboratory assay result with a longer time frame of two to eight weeks after a previous or index positive CDI result. Previous RCTs may not have accurately captured recurrence rates based on this definition from the IDSA. Okay, thank you for that response. Carrie, can you briefly summarize the primary results of this investigation and also were these results what you expected? Uh, yeah. So, Shane, keep me honest here. Make sure I get this right. So, we did find, as we proposed, and, and Shane, it was a great title that, that you did, the path of least CDI recurrence was indeed fidaxomycin versus vancomycin for C. diff infection. So it was really Shang and Marty and Haley doing this like deep dive literature search, which seemed like for months. And at the end, they identified six randomized controlled trials and eight observational trials. And this totaled about 3,900 patients, 32% fidaxomycin, 68% vancomycin. And they were included in this meta-analysis with the help of Ami Vaez, who's a brilliant kind of meta-analysis expert. So in summary, the mean age of our study patients, they range from 46 years old to 75 years old. Of interest, the overall CDF infection recurrence rate was 22.4%. And what we found in the fidaxomycin group, recurrence was 16.1, vancomycin 25.4. So compared to vancomycin, treatment with fidaxomycin was associated with a 31% reduction in the risk of recurrence which was significant and protective. So this reduction in recurrence risk was also seen in subgroup analysis for patients with initial C. diff, first recurrent C. diff, non-severe and severe C. diff in both inpatient and outpatient settings. So very consistent, really great work, consistently associated with lower risk of C. diff recurrence when compared to vancomycin. So you know, yes, it was what we expected. We, we, you know, believe the authors of IDSA, these results confirmed their recommendations um, that indicate fidaxomycin be preferred over vancomycin to minimize C. diff recurrence across multiple clinical scenarios. And we'll always say, you know, we had some observational studies in there too, but further studies are certainly warranted. Thanks, Carrie. Shane, you performed a number of subgroup analysis to dive a little deeper into the recurrence rates. What were your findings for the subgroup analysis? And also, were you surprised that patients receiving adjunctive bezalotoximab in the pooled analysis did not show any differences in recurrence risk um, between fidoxomycin and vancomycin? Great question, Mike. Based on our systematic review, we were able to conduct the following subgroup investigations to assess risk of CDI recurrence. 
First, by trial type, that is randomized controlled trial versus observational trials. Second, based on follow-up period for reasons I previously mentioned, specifically comparing 28 to 59 days versus 60 to 90 days for follow-up. Third, comparing initial CDI versus any recurrent CDI, then also first versus subsequent CDI recurrences. And finally, we looked at both severe versus non-severe C. diff infection. We also included two other subgroup analyses in our appendix. By treatment setting that therapy was initiated, that is, inpatient versus outpatient treatment settings, and also by adjunctive bezlotoximab use. For those who are not aware, bezlotoximab is a monoclonal antibody endorsed by the guidelines as combination therapy with standard of care to reduce recurrent CDI in high-risk patients. In our subgroup analysis, we found that compared to vancomycin, Fidaxomycin was associated with a lower risk of recurrence in all subgroups I previously mentioned. In particular, to reiterate what Carrie mentioned regarding our results, we found that fidaxomycin was associated with statistically significant differences in the following subgroups. For randomized controlled trials, for 28 to 59 days of follow-up, for initial CDI, for first recurrent CDI, and for both severe and non-severe CDI, and in both inpatient and outpatient treatment setting initiations. While the differences were not significant for all subgroups, the trends overall favored fidaxomycin. Regarding no differences seen with adjunctive bezlotoximab, to me, these results were actually not surprising. The MODIFY 1 and 2 trials that led to the approval of bezlotoximab had far fewer patients that used fidaxomycin as the standard of care, which was also seen in the two observational trials we included that assessed bezlotoximab use in this analysis. Thus, this particular subgroup analysis was likely underpowered and in a population already at higher risk of recurrence, which could further confound our results. With all that considered, I do think further studies are warranted to assess the relative benefits for the addition of bezlotoximab to fidaxomycin in reducing CDI recurrence. Thanks, Shane. Carrie, what are the primary takeaway points that the audience should derive after reading this publication? Ooh, my favorite question. So I had to keep it to three. So I learned three things um, and working with this team, fantastic team. And, and it's kind of merges my experience working with the national C. diff guidelines and then the subsequent paper. So first, what I learned very clear, PICO questions are critical in the way evidence-based medicine is practiced, how you ask the question changes the answer. We know that. Questions should be asked a priori in advance of any research that's done, and it should be framed in the patient. So that, that, that became crystal clear. Second, as we said, the data we often need already exists in papers. The data was out there. It was out there for over a decade. And there's significant value in these types of meta-analysis and systematic reviews. We always learn early on, even in my Detroit days, like, you know, meta-analysis, our hypothesis generating, um, you know, they answer some key questions that, you know, you can have some heterogeneity in your findings, but, you know, it really gives deep insight into combining all of this literature and all of these findings into one review. So, as this is basically what the guideline reviewers did, I mean, each question could be a standalone paper just like this. So if people are looking for more uh, studies, go, go ahead and uh, 
and, and rerun these these types of meta-analyses. But third, and I think the most important, and, and we're changing our care, is that fidaxomycin is likely preferred first line for C. diff infections over Vanco to minimize C. diff recurrence. And, and we're seeing this, I believe, across multiple clinical scenarios. If I have a patient that's high risk for recurrence, over 65, immune compromised, previous antibiotic use, I'm very careful to use fidaxomycin to prevent a subsequent C. diff infection in this patient population. It's a terrible disease, terrible quality of life, has morbidity and mortality associated with it. So it really, I think, made us pause and look at our patient population differently. Thanks, Carrie. Shane, so what do you believe were the strengths and the limitations of this study? Also, is there anything that you would have done differently? I believe our study took previous meta-analyses comparing vancomycin and fidaxomycin an extra step forward by asking clinically relevant questions that aren't clearly delineated by the data. It is well established that fidaxomycin is associated with a lower risk of recurrence compared to vancomycin, but in which groups at higher risk of recurrence do these effects persist and justify the use of fidaxomycin, which is more expensive than vancomycin? A major strength is our study is starting to scratch the surface of these important questions that will remain relevant as fidaxomycin utilization increases moving forward. We expanded our inclusion criteria to observational trials to help better answer these questions, but I do believe this also led to limitations to our work, such as introducing heterogeneity and bias. Many of our subgroup analyses were also likely underpowered, and because of the aforementioned reasons, it is difficult to assess how these may have affected our results, particularly the non-significant ones. It would have been ideal to include a subgroup analysis related to the risk factors Carrie mentioned, such as in populations that are elderly, immunosuppressed, or with previous antibiotic use history. We did look into these subgroups, but were not able to get specific enough data to perform these subgroup analyses. Previous subgroup analyses of the two landmark trials by Louie and Cornelly and colleagues that led to approval of fidaxomycin did show that the benefit with fidaxomycin persisted in patients who are 65 years or older, but it would be helpful to confirm these results with additional studies. I am not aware of any meta-analyses evaluating immunosuppressed patients or those with antibiotics exposure for C. diff infection. Okay, great. Thanks. I guess either of you could answer this question. What additional studies do you think are necessary going forward to fill in any remaining gaps regarding fidoxomycin versus vancomycin, kind of to move the needle forward with respect to reducing recurrences and relapse with C. diff? Thanks, Mike. Shane, do you want to take it or you want, want me to go with it? I can start, Carrie. It would be great to take a deeper dive into outcomes in recurrence CDI, particularly comparative effectiveness of taper-pulsed vancomycin regimens compared to standard or extended-pulsed regimens of fidaxomycin. Seeing these outcomes in high-risk patients, such as patients who have already been treated for a first recurrence, would also shed light on the best treatment approaches for our most vulnerable CDI patients. I would also like to see more data comparing fidaxomycin use as monotherapy or in conjunction with bezotoximab. While both of these therapies seem very promising, they are both cost prohibitive. As I mentioned, 
previously, it is unclear the additive benefit of fidaxomycin with bezalotoximab at this time. Okay. Uh, as we wrap this uh, podcast up, are there any remaining comments regarding this paper and your accomplishments? I'd say aside from really moving the needle on the treatment of C. diff infections, what, which is what IDSA and the guidelines did, but you know we, we confirmed this. I'm excited about the innovation in infectious diseases and in the space. I'll, I'll pivot a little bit. I'm glad that we now have a preferred agent in certain patient subgroups and we can per- do a better job preventing this terrible disease. And also I'm excited about the new therapeutic area of live biological products, an FMT, where we have encapsulated bacteria, our standardized FMT therapy. I think this is going to change the landscape of treating these devastating infections. Um, it's been a long time coming and, and an exciting time to be an ID specialist too. Great. Well, Dr. Liao and Dr. LaPlante, I'd like to thank you for joining us today on this podcast to review the findings of your most recent study. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you for this opportunity.